0: but I also feel like success is, is growth and success is legacy. Um, if, if we've got a team that's continually growing and moving forward and we have people that are becoming better versions of themselves, to me, that's success. welcome to build your culture brand with dr Jay Rains. as leaders you have the ability to design and lead culture intentionally hear from culture leaders who are moving from a values list to values lived
1: welcome to this episode today i have bruce ploser bruce is a multi-unit owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Goodyear and Chick-fil-A Avondale. They're on the west side of Phoenix in Arizona. Bruce and I first met about 10 years ago. We were doing some projects together in India, and we became friends. Have kept up with each other over the years. In fact, uh, over the last three years, our Leaders' Q coaching team has been working with their leaders, and it's just really been a lot of fun working with them, investing in those leaders I've had the opportunity to to be with Bruce and his team and really see them in action. They've built and are continuing to build an amazing culture. Bruce has so much wisdom to share. And after being an operator for more than 20 years, I'm excited for you to be able to listen in. So let me introduce you to Bruce. Good morning, Bruce. Good to see you. Welcome to Harry this morning. We are I am great. Thanks so much for, for hosting. Wonderful. You know, as a su- as a leader superhero, what what would be one of your superpowers? And then what would be your kryptonite?
0: I think encouragement needs to be every leader's superpower. Um, clearly, we have to do vision. We have to do, um, we have to set an amazing example. But I think encouragement goes a long way. Kryptonite would probably be... Allowing frustrations to get in the way of my superpower. Okay.
1: <laughs> and undermine the all that encouragement that needs to be going out. That's good. Right. Back in your story, one of the things that I was fascinated by in your story is the uh, the first 100. And maybe people don't realize that the very first first 100 was at one of your grand openings. So I'd love to hear your Your story. How did that happen? What what led to the innovation of First One Hundred?
0: First One Hundred was born in one of the in kind of a silly night. Um, We had been doing catering for the week before the restaurant opened. We had a situation where we got the restaurant a week early, which back then was unheard of. It used to be that you get the restaurant on a Saturday and you open the following Thursday. Well, we got an extra week because it was a brand new market. And the goal was to take a thousand meals out every day to the community and just sow seeds, get the taste of Chick-fil-A in people's mouths. So we were wrapping brownies and squeezing lemons and filleting chicken. And then we were doing those activities in the evening. And the next day, we would be executing and taking these thousand meals out. One night, we were wrapping brownies in the dining room. It's probably nine o'clock at night as we're getting ready for the next day. And the question came up, because questions are important. How are we going to get more media attention around this grand opening? And this thought occurred to me that, well, what if we just gave away a Chick-fil-A sandwich a week to every guest that was like the first hundred. And so that was the, that was the seed being planted for first 100. And so we decided to do this. So we advertised it, but we had no structure around it. We had no rules, no today, you know, or when we've done this recently, we've had wristbands that we put on people. There's rules, there's a, a DJ and activities and, and bathrooms available. Well, back then, we just had an idea, and we went with it in probably very old-school Chick-fil-A fashion. Um, And so we rolled into the restaurant at 4 o'clock in the morning on this Thursday in October of 2003, and people were camped out, and we thought... (laughs) We've got to do something different. We can't just give them a sandwich. We need to give them a meal. And we really didn't have a whole lot of um, assets for such a thing. We had a little card called a promotion that came from what was called the Promotion Assistance Library. And at the bottom of that card, it had the cows on top. At the bottom of the card, just a brief description of what this was going to entitle the guest to with five rows from a spreadsheet and 12 columns across because 52 just looked wrong on this coupon. Okay, And it was gonna give them a meal. The concept was a meal a week for a year and we would punch them out as they would come. So at the end of their card, it just looked like Swiss cheese. It was a completely, looking back at it, it was a completely off-brand thing to do, but it's what we ran with, with this crazy idea. Dan was at our grand opening for a couple of days and he saw this and he says, we're doing this from now on. So love it or hate it. That's the story of first 100. And so, um, and when just you say Dan, you you're talking about Dan Cathy, the CEO
1: of correct. multi-billion Dan dollar Cathy was with us for several, right. several days for the grand opening. That's awesome. Wow. So he saw it in action and took your innovation and made it a thing. Yeah, that's incredible. Wow. Okay. So there's the story. 2003. That was Correct. That was, so this next year is the 20th anniversary of the first 100. Another question I, I had for you was, uh, how do you define success? There's so many metrics. I mean, you're being thrown uh, hundreds of metrics every day, um, financial uh, customer service reports, um, various kinds of metrics. What but how do you
0: define success? I think early on success was, was business performance. And, I, and that's a big component. We have to perform. We have to deliver for the brand. That is our part of the stewardship deal. Um, but I also feel like success is, is growth and success is legacy. Um, if, if we've got a team that's continually growing and moving forward, And we have people that are becoming better versions of themselves. To me, that's success. If we are leaving a legacy of excellence and growth and care and the about the balance between grace and accountability, I think that's success. So to me, I think those two words of legacy and growth define success but we have to know that we still have to deliver on the business results. But if we focus solely on the business results, I think we're, we're probably doing less than we could. Yeah. As you described that it, it makes those business
1: results almost seem short-sighted. I mean, when, you, when you're talking about legacy, you're looking way past the horizon of just the, the monthly report or the annual FC, you know, financial report. So, that, that's a beautiful way to say it. I I'm curious though, I want to go a little deeper on that, uh the grace and accountability question. So because I I do find the leaders tend to lay on one side or the other, especially owners, they'll they'll either go too far one way or or too far the other. How do you what are some ways that you maintain that balance between what I call grace and law, grace and accountability?
0: Yeah, so I I feel like that's the place where, where growth is happening. Um, if we're in a relationship, I, I feel like on both sides of the relationship, if we can be accountable to one another and we can exercise grace and have a balance between the two, we can move forward. If we, if we have a relationship that is, that grace has been extended. But it's not being respected or received properly, and so then we're doing grace, 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 and no growth is happening. Mm. Then the person is not feeling as though there is a spirit of accountability, like or or conviction. That would be another word. Is like I'm feeling convicted about what you and I have just talked about, and I and I and I need to do some introspection and make a change. That's the accountability. Yeah. I think we can move forward in the balance of grace and accountability. If it's all accountability and no grace, it might be very difficult to move forward. If it's all grace and no accountability, again, it's going to be very difficult to move forward. You know, when we look at the surf model that Chick-fil-A has taught for years, the words are relationships and results. Well, I've, I've kind of adapted that in our own business to say, how do we do grace and accountability.
1: Mm -hmm. That's good. That's a great simple way to, to put it in. And it's almost like with grace, you're, you're, you're paying their debts, you know, and then at some point ownership needs to happen. And and that's where you come to an end of how much grace can we extend before they choose to continue not to take ownership and take accountability. Beautiful. One of the amazing things I've seen from your team as we've worked with you over the last few years and you've we've kind of worked together to develop this, but y'all are just rocking it. You have um, a structure called, that, that we're calling a culture brand, a way to design uh, and lead and develop the culture on your team. Tell us a little bit about that. I'll, I'll let you describe
0: what that is and how you use your culture brand. Well, Jay, it was several, I think we're coming up on three years since you came out to visit with us. And and I think you and I have known each other for 10 years at this point. Um, we always had a culture in our business. Um, and if, you know, I've described in the past that I think a lot of organizations start more on the relational side of a spectrum. And as the business grows, they become more systemic and more specialized, etc. For those early days with people like Jessica and Lindy and Carlos, when we had worked together a lot, we kind of all got it. We all understood what the culture was. As we grew and added people and hours and shifts, and all the things, it becomes harder for that culture to stay tight. So three years ago when you and I were talking, you challenged me and you said, I bet you that there's really not too many leadership buckets other than these three. <laughs> and those three buckets broadly are character, teaming, and results. And I think I agree that that is, those are three buckets or three pillars that are common to almost any leadership in any enterprise. And I don't know how many things would fall outside one of those three buckets. The culture that we had for a long time, 15 years, 16 years at that point, actually more than that, it was really hard. It was hard to do. But when we looked at it in the framework of character teaming and results, it really became more clear. And for us, our culture brand turned into B, which is, a, which is around character. What do we want to be true about ourselves? What do we want to be said about us play? Think about systems. Think about expect, uh, think about training. Think about, uh, processes, right? And when about how do we measure those things? So what do we want to be true? B character. How do we do the thing? Right. Play or teaming. How do we measure it Win. or results? So those three buckets of character, teaming and results, our words for that became B play and win and we wound up choosing action words um for us be is not a description it's a it's it's an action for us play is an action and win is an action now all of those can also be um a noun but we feel like there's value in seeing them as action i love it verb
1: I love it. You know, and as we've played this out and, and by the way, you know, just to put this in context, we've been able to do that with multiple other teams. And, you know, yours is unique. Be play win. Others have their own unique way to say results team and character. And uh, but I love how you've really it, it lives out your values. It's like taking the values off the wall and puts them into action And then gives them a a way to actually live them out and 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 measure against it. Are we are we living up to a winning attitude? Are we playing well together, collaborating, developing others? Are we um are we coachable on, on the B side? Are we coachable and humble? Are we um taking ownership? Those kinds of things. So love how you've done that. And then you went ahead and mapped it to your hiring, you mapped it to Uh, your annual reviews. So it's really become an extensive tool for your team. So good, good job on creating the culture. What's a way that using that culture, making it so simple, what's an example of how the culture brand has played out uh, personally for someone in a, in a positive or I don't know, in, in a positive way that's helped the business?
0: I think one of the most positive things is the, the, uh, the culture brand has turned into, um, a filter for so many things. You mentioned appraisals, you've mentioned a couple other things we use it for, but one of the biggest things we use it for is our business plans. Um, our senior director in each restaurant has a business plan and the pillars that support the business plan are the culture brand. It's be play and win. And, um. And then each director that serves with the senior director also has a business plan and their business plans are around B, play and win. And and so now the B gets a little bit more granular at the play and the win get more granular at each level. The B part is now taking the the form of great people. How do we do great people? It's selections, it's development, um, it's training play is, is around systems and processes. And when is the measurement because we've been able to put it into three, one syllable words, which is great for me because I'm a simple person. Um, it becomes bite-sized for everybody. Sure. Yeah. Um, and we feel like that's been a really good guiding um, document. And so each one of those business plans is just a single page. And And they're designed to be aligned with the business plan that it supports and the organizational business plan so those three pillars of character teaming and results provide alignment all the way up through the organization and i think that's been a big help so you've got behavioral alignment on the the
1: culture side on how do we act how do we show up to work and work together but then you've also got executional alignment you know the organizational what are we tracking what are we measuring i love that how you really it it takes both sides you can't you know just have good behavior you also have to have good execution and that that's amazing how you've been able to put those two together in three words so good job well we had we had some coaching help so thank you (laughs) well our team loves working with your team so um that you had just have some stellar people so thank you for that Well, Bruce, uh, it's really been good having you on the show today. I love hearing about the story, you know, this, just this journey from, uh, you know, the Air Force, well, as a lifeguard just started that way, right? Lifeguard Air Force, then into Chick-fil-A and just those inflection points. And now to see that, you know, the, this culture is emerging with these two locations. You're about to, you're in the process of giving up one location to move to a, a brand new location that's opening next year. And And so culture becomes a real challenge, right? To, to move between those two. I I had a question. So your first team there in the mall, how many people, how many hours, what was that? And then compare that to today. What, what, how many hours a week are y'all tracking right now?
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll just tell a brief story about that. In the very first restaurant, of course, I, I have been very open with people in the past about my failures as a brand new operator. And I don't know that they are uncommon for people, but I might've been just a little bit thicker than most. Um, minimum staffing at that point was 42 hours a day. Today we're running close to 600 hours a day oh just my. for contrast. Yeah. And in that first opportunity, I would work 14 of those hours. So about a third of the 42. And then we would schedule the other 28 and, um, And so my direct labor could be one third. Today, between two restaurants, if we're running 1100 hours today, there's no way my direct labor can ever catch up to a day that takes 1100 hours. An enterprise, that takes 1100 hours to run. And so it has to be influence uh, because my direct labor could never keep up. And, and that means we have to be very purposeful about how we approach um, leadership and influence um, because that's the biggest impact I can have
1: now now I'm curious I'm gonna have to ask another question so what what's one thing that you do in the month so I, I can see how your influence was you know significant there in the beginning with being a such a part of the, the numbers we might say are in, in the labor hours, but what's one thing in the month that you do to accelerate or, you know, multiply the influence that you're, that you have on the organization. What, what's a a habit that you have that is essential for
0: influence? We have 12 directors in our organization and I spend one-on-one time with every one of them every month. And about half of that time is focused on them. And the other half of that time is focused on their business plans. And how are we doing with, with that piece? Again, that's going back to relationships and results, Um, which are slightly different than the grace and the accountability we talked about before. But I feel like that's one thing that's really helpful. And I think the other thing that, we facilitate, it may not be necessarily my direct role, but it's something that we've been committed to is having a group to coach us. Now, this is not something you've asked me to talk about, but we have what we call a cascading approach of coaching. Those directors have a coaching relationship with one of your coaches. But in turn, we ask that those directors, have a coaching relationship with an emerging leader who's serving at a level um, below them and the thought there is that there's a cascading approach to that coaching and we think that that is serving us really well
1: Uh, yeah what an incredible way to take that investment of coaching and multiply it and and i know some of those conversations actually and and thank you for saying that obviously that's very kind of you but One of the things I've noticed from my coaches, they say that uh, part of their coaching conversation is actually talking about how to be a better coach, you know, how to, how to be that mentor, encourager, forward and cascade that. So great way to multiply that investment in your team. We
0: do see that coaching investment as having two sets of returns. The more proximate set of returns is what's happening in the business. The longer term set of returns is what happens in the life of the person who's in that coaching relationship. And those returns may not be completely evident while they work with us and wear our name tag. It could come up years later. And so we really feel like that is part of our approach to legacy. Beautiful, I'm gonna let that just
1: hang right there. I'm. I'm that's awesome. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Bruce Ploser about his beginnings with Chick-fil-A but also how having a culture brand has really helped him and his team to shape their business. Join us next time as we dive deeper into Bruce's story. You know, one thing that he and I have talked about is the further you go up in your organization, the lonelier it can become. Bruce addresses this reality and offers some sound advice. We get to hear about some of those moments of influence in Bruce's career.
0: Thank you for listening to Build Your Culture Brand with Dr. Jay Rains. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, comment, and share. See you next time. We would like to note that Leader's Q serves individual owner-operators and in their teams and is not affiliated, endorsed by, or in any way officially connected with Chick-fil-A Incorporated.